I said good morning to you before. So, okay, Proverbs 6. I, I'm going to give you some of, some of a couple of Proverbs and stop in the middle. Um, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who... I'm not going to keep reading. You've got to look it up. Check it out. Get into the Word of God, okay? <laughs> and if you can't remember which verse it was when you get home, just remember today's the 6th. It was in chapter 6. And if you had to read the entire chapter 6 of Proverbs, it wouldn't kill you, okay? <laughs> but go look that up. Find out what's, but what's this about a guy carrying coals next to his chest? What's that talking about? Okay, so we've been talking about some big decisions because um, when you think about um, who you are today and how you got to become who you are, it basically is the sum of all kinds of decisions that you've made over a long period of time. Um, the decisions that we're making today will really have a big impact on who we're going to become a week from now or a year from now. Sometimes, um, do you, I mean, I've, 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 I don't answer the question, I suppose. Um, do you wish there was more time for something that was really important to you in your life, you know, more time to rest, more time to read, more time to spend in the garden, maybe more time with your kids or more time with your wife or to fish, more time to go surfing somewhere. Um, we have a new neighbor we're meeting and he's a surf instructor. <laughs> I guess, okay, so makes sense, you know, but, but uh, you know, do you wish I had more time? You can answer, that'd be okay. It's kind of a trick gun shy today. Okay, so that's how it's going to be. Okay, so anyway, I mean, I'm, I think like most people, we, we wish we had more time to do stuff, but we've got this list. You know, I got to mow, I got to do dishes, I got to chores, I'm, you know, I got these work projects I got to do, I got bills to pay, I got kids to raise. You know, I wish I had more time to do something. I just don't have enough time. You know, when I ask people, how are you doing? I would just tell you the most common response I get from people is, I am so busy. I mean, I hear that all the time. I mean, I don't know about you. If people will go beyond, I'm fine, you know, the, the standard socially correct, meaningless, oh, I'm fine. Um, if they tell you something that's m more authentic and true, they're going to tell you the most common one I get is, I'm really busy. In some form, they say. I mean, life is crazy, you know. I I'm just so busy. What, what I don't hear from people is, oh, hey, I'm relaxed. Things are chill. Man, I got, you know, all this quality time with my kids. And, you know, I, I just, I, I have so many, just, I have so much time to do everything I want to do. I don't, I don't hear that one. And here's the thing. Now, I, I, I can't prove this theologically because I haven't studied it out. Maybe sometime I'll try to. But I'll just tell you that I think that if, if our spiritual enemy, if, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll try to make you busy. He'll try to make you busy. You know, how are you doing? I'm busy, I'm busy. You know, and, and um, you know, he'll make you busy, and he'll make you do busy doing things that don't really matter. <laughs> you know, he'll distract you from the, the really grand things of God, sometimes with some good things. How are you doing? I'm so busy. And I'm trying to train myself not to say, you know, I wish I had more time for fill in the blank. I'm trying to train myself not to say that because it's a habit. I say that. And, and the reason is because I'm working on this because I really believe that when it comes down to it, I have time for what I choose to have time for. <laughs> You're admitting that. Okay. I thought I was going to have to work this over a little bit to soften the soil here. I mean, I, I, I think really I have time for the things, you know, and I, I, the, the truth is that if I choose to have something, I've been choosing to prioritize my time on something else. 
It is. I mean, I'm prioritizing something over something else. I, I, I choose what I have time for. And we all have time for what we choose to have time for. And um, so that leads us to our, um, our point today, to choose the important over the urgent. Choose the important over the urgent. God, I think with God's help, we'll be empowered to choose what's most important in our lives instead of what's just urgent. Now, maybe you thought that things that were important were things that are urgent, and urgent equals important. And um, no, urgent things are not always most important. There's a difference. Here's a quote from a guy named Ike Eisenhower. Some of you will like this guy. What's important is seldom urgent, and what's urgent is seldom important. That's what Dwight Eisenhower said. Interesting. Let that soak in for just a minute. They're very often not the other. You know, for example, if you're, if you're a business leader and you've got um, an upset, angry customer, you know, dealing with that customer is urgent because it has immediate consequences, right? But coming up with systems to keep your customers from becoming angry is important, you get the distinction there. One is urgent. I've got to deal with it. I've got to put this fire out. But stopping the fires from starting to begin with is more important. Speaking of stopping fires, this Wednesday is a big day. Smokey the Bear's birthday. That's a big day in my life. Lisa has 413 people's birthdays on her calendar. I have one on my calendar. Smokey's birthday. I don't know why. Smokey. And by the way, his name is Smokey Bear. Not Smokey the Bear. That happened after the fact. But you can call him Smokey the Bear. I won't be offended. I just want you to know. That is a bear trail rather than a rabbit trail. Okay, so. <laughs> I should have been spending things on more important just now than that little. Okay. So, I mean, here's another one. If your car breaks down, it becomes urgent that you repair your car. But what's important is you do your oil changes and maintenance so it won't break down in the first place. You get the distinction between important and urgent, you know. If you're sick, you go to the doctor because you... It's urgent. But your better supply, an ounce of prevention is way better than a pound of cure, right? I mean, it's the difference between important and urgent. In fact, if you choose the important, you don't have to deal with as many things that are urgent. If you choose the important, you don't have to deal with so many urgent things. But think about that. But the opposite is never true. If you always choose the urgent... You're never going to get to the important. That's why we need to choose the important over the urgent. And to see these scriptures, uh, these, these principles in scripture, we're going to read in the New Testament about a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha does what so many of us do. She's so overwhelmed with the urgent things that she misses the thing that is most important. And we pick this up in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And here's Luke describing the story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, and we're going to see now that Mary chooses what's most important. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary chooses what's important. Martha did what a lot of us did. She surrenders to the urgent. Now, if we read ahead, we're going to see that, that Martha gets all wigged out because things have to be just right. Okay? I mean, I have this temperament. We talked last week about the lines in the grass, okay? So we had several people at our house. We had, a, you know, f- for a, a meal this week, the lines in the grass had to be perfect. Good job, Lisa. You know, so um, after I preached about lines in the grass last Sunday, this week the lines were, and I didn't have to say a word. Nicely done. 
<laughs> Somebody had me a shovel. I'm digging a hole here. Okay, so, um, so, so, so she's, she, Martha's going to get all wigged out because, you know, things got to be, and I don't blame her. Jesus is going to be in the house, okay? I mean, I mean, be honest. If, how many of you, if you found out somebody who was really important to you was going to show up at your house, you'd want things just right, you know? You, you'd say, you know, you start throwing your stuff under the bed. You'd say to your husband who thinks that the floor is a laundry hamper, you know, put it in the hamper, get it off the floor. Um, you, know, pss, you know, things got to be just right. Panic, you know, stress, all this stuff starts spinning up. And all this would just be for a regular person, you know? Jesus is coming over. Imagine now how things have ramped up. This is Jesus, you know. All the little pillows on the sofa have got to be lined up, the colors coordinated. The potpourri has to match the shower curtain, whatever potpourri is. Um, I mean, and, and it's, it's got to match because Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world is coming over. Very God, very the one who spoke. I mean, he's coming over. The line's got to be straight, you know, and he's coming to her. So Martha's freaked out, as, as a lot of us would, and she misses what's really important. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. <laughs> and I don't know, I can get distracted. And Martha was distracted by these preparations. She says, I got to do this. It's urgent. He's coming. I got to get it. She came, she came to Jesus, and she tattles on her sister. <laughs> I can hear my sister Shelly, you know, my seven-year-old sister Shelly, you know, I'm going to tell mom on you, you know. <laughs> I love my sister Shelly, but that's, that's what she sounded like. She's not here to defend herself. Show up in church. I don't care if you live in a different city. <laughs> I love, I, I'm giving you the Sunday off. You shouldn't be, don't shake your finger at me like. So um, <laughs> she tattles. She says, she, okay, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me out. Say that. Tell her to help, put you, tell her to help me out. <laughs> She's tattling to Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like, okay, this is crazy. I mean, she's wigging out. She's throwing a fit. Help her. Tell me. And she's being distracted by all of these preparations that have to be made. I wonder... How many of us have been significantly distracted by things um, that are more important, distracted to keep us from the things that are more important? Let me say it in another way. How many of us have been faithfully pursuing the urgent and neglecting what's really most important? In fact, I think a good question that, you know, the obvious question to ask ourselves, the rhetorical one right now is, what is the most important thing that you've been distracted from? The most important thing in your life, in your future. I, I hope you just allow a moment for that to kind of settle in. What's the most important thing? I think maybe some of you here who are followers of Jesus might say, well, I've really been distracted from spending time with Jesus. You know, maybe I haven't put him first. I've, you know... I, I haven't had this intimate feeding on his word kind of deal for a while. I haven't really taken time to get my heart into cadence with his. It's not that I'm against him, but I just haven't slowed down to find out his cadence so I can get in cadence with the king. I've been distracted from that. Maybe that's what, maybe 
some would say, you know, I've been so distracted by doing things for my children that I really haven't taken time to actually enjoy my children. You know, I'm, I, 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 it's, it's prevented me from being proactive and investing in them. I'm just reacting to them. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've become a very child-centered parent and your whole life revolves around your kids. And, and because of that, you've neglected your marriage. The marriage which needs to hold the family together, that needs to be, you know, you're so busy doing for your kids that your relationship with each other, you've neglected it. And it's, it's, it's what should be strong and nourishing the health of your kids. Maybe some would say, you know, I've neglected my temple, my physical body. You know, I'm so busy with so many urgent things. I don't have time to, to eat better, and so fast is good, so fast food must be good. And <laughs> they got a good fried chicken on a pretzel bun at McDonald's. <laughs> and it tastes good. I know. <laughs> and who's got time to walk? And I don't have time for exercise. And I'd love to walk. I just can't get to it. I'm just busy. But maybe for some of us, the thing we've, that we've been distracted from would be more internal. You know, maybe there's been an addiction or a habit or... You know, some recurring sin that you want to deal with and you could admit to yourself, I, I, I need help and I've neglected it. So many urgent things going on. I just can't get to that. Martha's distracted. In verse 41, Jesus starts talking and he says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about so many things. I know his voice had to be like that. It wasn't Martha, Martha. It was Martha, Martha. I love you, girl. I want to just speak some peace into your soul here. He says, you're worried and upset about many things. And stop there for a minute. You know, you, you know it, it, for some of us, if we had a life verse, this would be the one. Worried and upset about so many things. Freaked out all the time, all the time. I'm not going to get it done. I got the, too much the diaper and the babies. And, the, you know, hubby throws his undies on the floor and, you know. You're worried, upset. Verse 42, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary's chosen what's better. She's made this choice and Martha has been surrendering now to the urgent. Martha's right-hearted. She's, it's not that she's lazy. She's just trying to make things good. Her good things are getting in the way of God's grand things. By the way, this is not a sermon about living in a mess. But here's the thing. If we're not intentional about this, I promise you the urgent's going to crowd out the important in your life. If you're not intentional about this, the urgent things will absolutely crowd out what's important. We have to make choices because we have time for what we choose time for. So there are three practical tools that I want to give you about how to do this because I believe this is a learned skill. Anybody can learn this. Um, you know, there's, um, I'm just going to give you a couple of points from some leadership classes that I've worked on over the years and um, from just some experiences that I've had and so forth. So, and there's, you know, what we'll go into. The first one is this, create artificial deadlines. Create artificial, it's a wonderful strategic tool. Um, here's, you know, here's what I mean by an artificial deadline. An artificial deadline is an artificial deadline. It's not real. It's a phony deadline, okay? I mean, for example, you know, ask, myself, I, I, you know, ask yourself the question, well, when, when do you have to be ready? When is your message due, your, your Sunday morning message, Terry? When is it due? 
Well, the correct answer would be Sunday mornings at about 10.25, because that's when I roughly, approximately, when I have to get up here and start doing what I'm doing now. So that's about when they're due. But I don't allow myself to wait until 10.24 to start thinking about the topic and preparing myself. In fact, it takes me so long, I got to start, I'll be starting when I walk out the door today. I've actually started next Sunday's message. Long time ago. I mean, I, I, don't, I do not wait. And so, in my mind, the finished message preparation is actually due way earlier. And I, my, my deadline for finishing a message is Wednesday night before I pillow my head. I don't make it a lot. I mean, an awful lot of times I don't make my deadline. Um, and, but I've, I've, I've got this deadline, and the reason is because preparing to teach the Word of God is an incredibly important thing that I do. As far as my, my responsibility and accountability to God, it's very important, very, very important. Why would I leave something really important to the last minute? So um, I've got other important things to do, too. You know, my responsibility is leading the church. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband. That's important. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I have ministering to do with people and circumstances. And, you know, having an artificial deadline actually frees me. It frees me to devote time and energy to these other things. And the way I'm wired, I'm a Martha inside of me. I have got to have my preparation done. And if I don't, if I don't know I'm ready for Sunday morning, I'm never really ready for Sunday morning. I think I'm ready. But if I don't know that I've done what I was supposed to do to have my heart positioned and have spent my time in God's word and, and allowed my heart to be available, if I haven't accomplished that where I feel like, okay, if I had to, I could, I could do this right now, I, I really can't focus on too much else in life. Lisa tells me I'm good for nothing if I haven't prepared my message. It's probably true. She, she wouldn't say that, but, 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 but you know, here, here, here's how this works. Okay, there's a couple of ways to catch an air flight, Okay. One is, you know, you leave on time. This is the most common one, people. You leave on time, and you do your best to park as close as you can to the gate, and you check your watch, and, and um, you start moving, because now time is, you know, clicking by, and you start moving. You start moving faster and faster, and you get to the TSA gates, and you realize, oh, this is going to take me a little bit longer than I thought, so you're moving a little bit faster. So pretty soon, you're looking down at your watch, you're a little bit concerned, so you decide to cut the line, and you say, hey, 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 my plane leaves in 10 minutes, and people kind of, you know, okay, well, you should have got here. So while you start walking faster, and now you're through TSA, and so you're kind of working your way to the gate, and there's all these people and all this clutter, and you're working around, and people don't watch you, and you don't want to knock over their coffee, and, and all this stuff going on, and you realize, okay, the clock's running. I'm quite a ways, so I got to get all the way out there. I got to take the shuttle, da-da-da-da-da. So now you start walking faster and faster, and, and it, you're starting to look at your watch more and more, and you realize this is not going to cut it. You're not going to make it. So now you break into a jog, and you run, you run, and you're still two or three um, gates away, and you've realized, hey, they're getting ready to close the door. So you bolt into a run and you throw the ticket at the lady just before she clicks the door shut. You get in and you're on the airplane. You made it. You left on time. That's one way. (laughs) Another way is to leave 20 minutes early. (laughs) An artificial deadline. You made it the first way. That's the deadline. But you could leave 20 minutes. Now, Lisa would, Lisa would say, I don't want to put words into her mouth. I guess I would like to put words into her mouth. <laughs> but she would say, 20 minutes? I'd love to do that because we leave like... <laughs> I was going to be charitable and say we leave an hour and a half early. But my idea of being on time when it comes to air flights is I allow an extra hour of something terrible to happen at TSA. Even though we've signed up for a pre-check and we go the fast way, 
do that, by the way. It makes life easier if you fly. Um, But I allow an hour there. I want to sit in the waiting area and not be stressed out. Just in case they say, attention, flight fans. Your flight has now moved to the other end of the world, and you've got three minutes. I want to be able to be in... So, I mean... Some of you here, I think there are people in this room who are graduates of the Master's Commission um, program that you know, was in the church where I used to be one of the leaders. We would teach young people, adolescent, you know, young adults, that if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're a great thing to teach to young people. Anyway, so the point is an artificial deadline helps us, helps us out. I mean, and I think um, this, this is one reason, this artificial deadline thing is one reason why I kind of put a hard block on my calendar for, I try to do this for one day a week. I'm just going to be transparent with you because I'm not good at doing this. I'm not as good as I should be about having a Sabbath day every week. I try. I think you should too. Um, I mean, I mean, I have in my schedule, in my mind, a Sabbath. And a Sabbath means that I'm not going to be doing ministry work. I'm not going to be doing... I'm going to be resting with the Lord. That'll be the day that I say, hey, honey, what do you want to do? Let's go for a walk together. Let's go play. Let's go whatever. But it's not the day that I have to fix the, the, the roof on the barn. It's not the day that I'm, you know... And typically, I try to not be involved in church ministry that day. Now listen, if somebody's head is on fire, I'll get involved, okay? If Jesus shows up somewhere, and he's, and he's got a sword in his hand and fire coming off of it, I'm there. But absent those kinds of things, that day, I try not to do things. Not because I'm selfish, and not because God made a suggestion about this. There is a commandment. It's an important thing. So I try to have this, this hard block on that particular day of the week. Otherwise, you know, this is not me whining. This is me telling you that full-time ministry, there will, it will eat up all of your time. It will. If you just say um, it'll take up every hour of every day. Hard blocks, you know, because people who have crises in their life, sometimes they have their crisis. They don't have their crisis between 8 and 5. Or if they have a crisis in their life, they're at work trying to hold their life together. And then when they're off of work, that's when the crisis is bubbling over at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, that is ministry life. And it's, that's just, it's okay. And so a guy like me has to say, okay, here's a, I'm going to block this off and I'm going to, this is for my health, my spiritual well-being. And it's not me being selfish. I'm not telling you this. I'm making the point. You should have artificial deadlines in your life. And um, I mean, I think um, hard blocks in my schedule help, help me to choose to be more productive with my time because I don't have all week long to do some things. I've got to get them done, which in turn forces me to make three, three decisions that I make. I don't give you notes, so I'm going to blow through this. Three, three decisions that I make. One, I delegate things that I shouldn't do. I shouldn't do that. Somebody else should do it. Sometimes I can do them, but I should have somebody else do them because that's a growth point and they're capable or better qualified than me. It, a second thing that it forces me to do is to say no to things that I shouldn't do. No, I shouldn't do that. Not, not because of the sin issue, but because there's more important things. Not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm more important, but sometimes in our life we say, no, I shouldn't do that. And then the third thing that I do is it, ma- it forces me to make faster decisions all week long. And I'm completely convinced that 
that an artificial deadline helps me to be more productive. It frees up my time and my energy um, and effort for the things that I value the most. So the second thing um, I encourage you, I actually plead with you about this, is, is to be ruthlessly selective in your yeses. And yes, that is the correct way to spell yeses. Isn't that distracting? That is the weirdest looking word. But be ruthlessly selective in your yeses. You know, be prayerful and careful about what you say yes to. I I could make a pretty good, strong argument today that for most people, the barrier to a more meaningful life is not a lack of commitment. The barrier is an over-commitment. You know, you're way over-committed. You're just... You're doing way, 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 way too much. You could, we started out this message talking about the list, right, of all the things. Too, too much stuff. You've been busy, busy, overwhelmed, busy. And here's the thing. Busyness does not necessarily equal productivity. It doesn't necessarily equal meaningfulness, if there is such a, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean equal fulfillment in life. In fact, I think for most people, instead of adding things to your to-do list, you should start up a to-don't list. <laughs> start up a to-don't list. The things that you've been doing, and you're going to stop doing them. This is not a sin issue. This is just things you're going to say, hey, I got, I wanna, I'm going to to-don't that. <laughs> okay. A to-don't list. In fact, I think a lot of successful strategic people that are out there in the business world, they say no to good things all the time. They do. And they do that so that they can say yes to the best things. No to the good, yes to the best. Sometimes our good things get in the way of God's grand things. You know, I, I came, before here I came from, you know, this larger church and I leadership role and it was a big church. We had, you know, church staff, more than 50 paid employees with all kinds of ministries, people who get really good, specialized in all kinds of things, and we had all kinds of activities going on. There was something for everybody, and there was something going on all the time. It was really a lot of activity and good stuff. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I go to these conferences and conventions, and I know a lot of pastors, and they say, hey, you know, you move down the road to, to minister in Rochester. It's a smaller community. It's a smaller church. How do you get everything done? I know you don't have 50 staff members, you know. And um, the answer is, I don't do it all. I can't. I don't try to do all the stuff that, that we were doing there before. I, I think the best leaders do not do more. The best leaders do more of what matters. So important. And as far as my role is, what matters most for me is God's word is first. And, and so it takes the first priority for my ministry time. I mean, I think the best mothers don't do more. The best mothers do more of what matters most for their children. You got to pick. The best teachers don't do more. They do more of what matters most in their classes. The best and most effective followers of Jesus don't do more. They, they, and just more and more and more and more. They do more of what matters most to make a difference in the kingdom. They don't do more and more. They do more of what matters most. So to have a more meaningful life, I just encourage you with this. Say no to more. And say yes to more of what matters most.
sounds simple. It's not. Okay, number one, artificial deadlines. Number two, be ruthlessly selective in your yeses. And the third thing, and this is really the big one, I think. Three, do first what matters most. You know, do first what matters most. You know, well, if I have time, I'll get to it. You know, if, I ever, if ever things slow down, I'll do that. No, don't do that. Whatever matters most, do that first. And Jesus answers Martha, and we see that time with Jesus matters to him. Verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better. He's talking about time with him, time at his feet. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Time matters with Jesus. Do first what matters most. I think way too many followers just don't do that. They don't, we don't, we don't. We're not seeking the heart of God. We're not, we're not aligning our heart with his. You know, we're, we're not spending time in his word. We're not placing him at the beginning of our day or consistently some point in our day. And I know human, human nature. Human nature is, you know, we, we add more and we add more. We add more and more and more urgent things start to crowd out the things that are most important. And I know you love Jesus. I know, of course you do. And you, I know you want to make a difference. But are you seeking him first? Or do you occasionally seek him or seek him when there's trouble in the camp? You know? Do you seek him first? Well, why? Well, why don't you? Because we're tired. I'm tired. Well, why are you tired? Because I'm busy. Well, why are you busy? Because you said yes to too many things. Most important things that we should put first is time with Jesus every single day. And we don't do that out of some sort of religious legalism. And you certainly don't do it because the pastor up front says, I'm supposed to be with Jesus every day. You do it because you choose Jesus every day. You do it because you, you, he renews your mind every day. You do it because, because you align your heart with his heart every day. And with his priorities. And Jesus tells us, he tells us in Matthew, in the book of Matthew 6, and these are the words of Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. The problem is that we seek other things first. And then we wonder why we don't have a life that matters and we, and, and we need to seek him first. And I think, I think people say, you know, I have people look at my schedule and I kind of run sometimes, I do, I suppose, just like you. And they say, well, how, where do you have time to be with God? And how is it that you have time to ride your bicycle? I ride my bicycle a lot. I ride my bicycle early in the morning. I probably try, try to do 80 to 100 miles of bicycle riding a week early before people on the, can get up and hit me with their car. Okay, so I like to get up early in the morning and go. And um, yeah, it impacts my night before. It impacts, it impacts my wife. She, I do it with her blessing. Um, um, you know, how do you have time with your kids? How do you have time with your grandchildren? Well, because those things go on the calendar first. Time of the Lord and time for that. I mean, um, I, I'm just not going to respond to everything else that everybody else wants to do until I do the things that Jesus wants me to do first. And it doesn't make me mean. It wouldn't make you mean. But you'll be way better doing and being all those things that everybody else wants if you've done those things that the Lord wants you to do and to be first. By the way, the things he wants you to do first are going to build you up. They're going to fill you with life. They're going to encourage you. They're going to make you bigger and better, whatever that means. 
So we choose first what matters most. We just don't let our spiritual enemy talk us out of the important, only so that we can be whipped around by the urgent things in lives. You know, and I didn't always get this right. I just tell you right now. I mean, I don't still always get this right. This is this is one of the areas of my life that drifts out of alignment, and I have to work at it. It's probably true of many people in this room. You know, you try to get your priorities right, and they kind of drift. Something will will drift. And um, I can tell you about the last big time the Lord and Terry had a talk about this <laughs> was. Um, and it was very, very clear. It was almost like I had a conversation with God. Not an audible conversation, but, but when you walk with the Lord and you spend time in his word, you will know when he's speaking something to you. And I, this was one of those times for me. And I was talking with the Lord, and it was, it was at the time that the Lord was calling me and saying, Terry, I'm, I want you to go lead a church in a community crossroads. And um, so, you know, that was happening seven years ago right now. Right now. Um, and... Um, I mean, I had had all these years of experience. At that point, I'd been a, a staff pastor on this large church for 25 years. And um, I, I, in my role there, I had a lot of supervision. I supervised pretty much the whole staff and all of these different departments and all these different ministries that were going on. And um, so I had a lot of experience. I, I knew how to spin up ministry, get things going. I knew how to get the plates spinning and get the poles underneath them and keep them, Right? And I know how to do that kind of stuff. It's stuff I can do. And um, I had this moment of real clarity with God about um, what he was calling me to and what he was not calling me to. And he started out with me. You know, sometimes the Lord is very, very blunt with me because that's sometimes what it takes to get through. You could hear that. (laughs) Sound kind of like that drum we had last week. Get a beat going. <laughs> I'm going to have these red marks on my, yeah, okay. But I had this, <laughs> I'm so immature to do this, I don't know. What I, mean. I had this moment where I know the Lord was saying to me, um, this isn't going to be what you've known for the last 25 years. I've used that to prepare you, but this is not that. Don't try to make this that. Those people are not those people. Just, this is a different culture. And here's, here's how he spoke to me. In part, he gave me the scripture, Isaiah 50, 55, 8, and 9. And you've heard this before. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, Terry. I'm not thinking about this the way you are. Neither are my ways your ways. My plan here is not what your plan is. Put all that stuff back on the shelf. Declares the Lord, the scripture. That's all caps. The Lord, okay. When you see it all caps, there's a title there. That's an authority position. There's, make no mistake who's talking right now. Not in fear, but in reverence. For as the heavens are higher than, your, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, Terry, and, and, your, and higher than your thoughts, Terry. I got a whole different plan for a group of people I love and care about. Get on board with what I'm talking about here, Terry. And it was clear to me that he was asking me to lead differently than I had led before. He didn't say abandon who you are. Didn't, didn't say abandon your, your personality. Didn't, didn't say become something you're not. He's saying lean into me. The wind of the Holy Spirit's going to blow and you, the ship will go differently than you would steer it if you just did it based on what you know. Sounds like a good plan. So my assignment when I came to Crossroads wasn't to come down here and to spin up all kinds of ministries. 
We can have them, and we do. And they, ha- they happen and they come up, but there's this deal that I think, you know, he, I, I really know that the Lord s- said to me, you are going to spend your time on the th- certain things that are important, not on things that are urgent. Sometimes urgency is required, but, 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 but go with me understanding. And he said, he said, you know, he said to me, Terry, I am not calling you to personally spin up all kinds of ministries. The Lord's going to do that. Ministries have spun up, and they are spinning up in our church. And they're going to, I don't know how to describe the process other than to say, I guess the, the term of the day would be that they spin up organically. I mean, I have a role f- to be certain. But when this church and this community is ready for a certain kind of a ministry, the Lord is going to raise that up right here in this room. And I watch him do it. I know my assignment. My assignment concerning that is when I see a little bit of flame, I'm supposed to rush in there with oxygen and fuel and encouragement because I believe that the Lord will call you to do things and you can do them. You know what the difference is between you and me? Not that, okay, let me restate that. Here, let, let me just tell you a characteristic of me and why I'm doing this. Because I said yes. Not because I'm some special manner of character, like I got some sort of special set of luggage with all kinds of gifts and tools. No. Whatever I am, <laughs> Lisa goes, amen. <laughs> no, it's because I just said yes. And you, you corporate and you individually, have gifts that God built into you. He, he knew about them back. Psalm, Psalm 139 said he knew them while he was knitting them into you in your mother's womb. And he knows about them today and he's been building them in your lifetime in whatever. And he will say to you, hey, you are going to have a ministry to repair broken guitars. Do we have any bro- I don't know if we have any broken guitars here, but you're going to go to Pastor Eric and say, hey, Eric, the Lord has said to me, I'm supposed to fix broken guitars. Whose musical instrument can I help them with? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, you're doing something for the Lord because he's told you to do it. I just made that up. Maybe you don't know guitars. But there's something in you. And when the Lord says to you, hey, I want you to uh, start a small group in your house. And you go find three broken-hearted, widowed ladies. And you just invite them into your house. And you put flowers at the table and love on them and feed them crumpets. Do it. And the Lord is going to use that to invest in three of his daughters that he loves desperately. And you will be a raging success in ministry. Anyway, so I know that my role isn't to start up all kinds of ministries, but, you know, and by the way, there are some that are spinning back there and others that I've held back on. I said, okay, let's get towards that. And, you know, and I, I think that's my role. My role here is very, very clear to me. He, he's, he said, I'm, I'm to teach the world word. I'm supposed to ensure that as a church that we worship, that we value people, that we value relationships, and then there's this protecting thing I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to watch out over the flock for stuff that goes on. I mean, that's what the Lord has called me to. And yes, I include in that things like hospital visiting and, and so forth. But you might notice, I'm not the guy who leads men's ministries here. Why? Because the Lord has better people to do that. The Lord has other specific people to do that. I'm thankful for who have a heart to do, not that I don't have a heart, but I don't need to be, you know, I don't have symbols here, and, you know, I don't not be a one-man band. I mean, I'm, this isn't about me, but my point is that what, who it is about, it's about you, and it's about Jesus. And so, when I heard that from the Lord, and I set those priorities about how to do things that are important and not urgent, 
here are the things that he spoke to me. And I, I waited over this for a long time. And these are the core values of our church. Okay? And you've heard these before, but it's always good to refresh these. So core values of our church. Number one, honor the word of God. It's funny how if we do that, everything else is going to come into line. Seek first the kingdom of God. You honor God's word. It fixes a whole lot of problems. Number two, honor the worship of God. We take time to worship God because of what happens here. It positions us, and he deserves our adoration and our praise. And, and we value every person, every single person. There's not a person here who's worth more. We're, and there's not a person here who's worth less. You should hear that particularly. You are not worth less. We value families. Now, don't restrict your definition of what a family is. A family might be one for a season. Maybe a family's um, a single parent and a child or a grandparent and a child. We value families. Whatever is the social structure that you happen to be in right now, we want to help you and support you in that. And then we value relationship. We really believe that relationship is important. Those are the things that the Lord has told me to focus on. Those are the important things. And that this place would be a place where anyone can embrace Jesus. If anybody wants to truly embrace Jesus, this is the place. It needs to be the place. I hope it's the place. So the first thing is we do first what matters most. And so in this season of my life, I try to say no to all kinds of other things. And the council has helped me with that. I've been asked to be on different ministries in the community, and the council has said, hey, no, we'd rather you didn't. Thank you for the help, council members. Help me hear from the Lord. In order that I can say yes to more important things. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We have a choice. We have time for the things that we choose to have time for. Because the simple truth is that we can make excuses, or we can make progress, but you can't make both, right? Mary choose, chose what was important, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your spirit would do a deep work in our hearts, God, because in our culture, we need it to help us align our hearts with yours, Lord, so that we can truly have the courage and the wisdom about how to say no to things that are sometimes even good so that we can say yes to your very best. And Lord, as, as I would pray, I just feel impressed that we would be praying right now to seek you first. Lord, give, give us the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of Christ that I might think about things to honor you, Lord. Give me eyes to see the things that are pure. Ears to hear, Lord, your spirit speaking to me. Help my mouth, Lord, be an encouragement to people that I could speak the truth. And Lord, since your scripture teaches us that our heart is deceitful above all things, God, give us a pure heart that we can serve you, Lord. And use our hands, Lord, to bring glory to your kingdom and direct our steps, Lord. Order our steps to the places that you want us to go. Help us, Lord, I pray, to choose the important over the urgent. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand, sings with us. We're gonna sing God with us.